Welcome to Charlie's Toolbox, the only podcast that teaches you how to be the main character in your life. Here, you can find all the tools and skills you need to decenter men, center yourself, and feel good about your life. Here's your host, researcher, observer, and marketer, Charlie Taylor. Hello, hello, hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of Charlie's Toolbox. Today, we are going to discuss usefulness. And we are going to discuss why it is not the best strategy for building a relationship. But before we get into the main topic, let's discuss what's going on in my world. Of course, I have to talk about myself, the song of the week. And finally, we're going to get into the meat of the episode, which is understanding that usefulness is not the proper way to build a healthy relationship. So a little bit of what's going on in my world. A few weeks ago, I had a work moment and one of my old wounds around validation flared up. I found myself ruminating because I didn't understand where this tension was coming from or why. And I didn't understand why there needed to be any tension between myself and my coworker. My initial reaction was to find ways to solve it and use people pleasing to do it. But I didn't want to return to that type of pattern because I don't like that, number one. And it just doesn't it, it doesn't help me in any way. So I focused on my work. I asked my coworkers for advice on the situation and I asked my coworker directly if I'm stepping in their lane, if I'm offending them in any way, please let me know. And of course, like passive aggressive people do. They did not articulate their feelings and they did not let me know there was anything wrong between him and I. And they did not articulate what the problem was, but they continued to have passive passive aggressive behavior. So while I was just gathering all the data, trying to figure out, you know, I'm data driven, gathering all the data, figuring out what's going on, figuring out my environment, these conversations, they gave me a solution. And it was to just do my fucking job well, not take it personally, and let people sort out through their own feelings. Because your perspective of me, it really isn't my problem. Though it frustrates the hell out of me and I don't like being misunderstood, I just had to return to my tools. I had to realize that this has nothing to do with me, ground myself, take a beat, take a breather and move on. And I felt really uplifted by this. I felt really uplifted by the process that I had to calm myself down. And I realized that for the first time, I didn't bring any shame or guilt with me. I didn't blame myself. I didn't tell myself I was supposed to do or feel something else. And I was okay with who I was. I was okay with who I was. I know that I didn't do anything. And I gave myself compassion. I understood what I was feeling. I was feeling frustrated because I was misunderstood. And I was feeling fr- and I was feeling angry because I do not like passive aggressive behavior. And I don't find it fun. I don't find it funny. And I like to nip that in the bud. I also found really great solutions that preserve my gentleness. Because sometimes when you are in chaos, confusion, tension, you 
find yourself, your gentleness, your kindness, who you are as a person, you, you cut it off because you're mad, you're angry, you don't want to deal with this person anymore. So they're going to get the cold shoulder. But I didn't do that. I didn't, you know, people please or feed into them. But this didn't matter to me. This did not matter to me. And I was not going to show that it mattered to me by being angry or by having an attitude with this person because I genuinely didn't care. And the reason why I bring up this moment is because there is always going to be a moment where you are caught off guard, where you are in the midst of tension and chaos and misunderstanding and conflict, and you are going to be tempted to revert back to harmful thoughts. And one of my harmful thoughts in my patterns was I am the problem. I am the problem. So like, if I think I'm the problem, I'm going to try to solve it. And I had to take a, take a step back and realize that I'm never the problem. I'm going to always be myself. And whether someone likes that or not, that is for them to take up. And when you're in those moments where you are reverting back to harmful problems, har- harmful thought patterns and harmful ideas, you have to give yourself compassion. You have to say, you know, I know you I understand you are feeling this way, but let's take a break. Let's take a breather. Look at your affirmations. Be okay with the situation. Be okay with these challenges. Know that it is life. It has nothing to do with you personally. This is what life is. Life is a series of challenges. And know for a fact that you aren't required to do anything right now. If you are confused, you don't know the answer, you are not required to do anything. You can take as much time as you want to figure out what you were feeling and why. And you could take a beat to tell yourself that unless they've articulated their problem, you can only care about yourself. That's really what it is. You can only care about you. You don't have enough space in your mind for other people. You cannot worry about, well, not even worry. You cannot be present in your life. You cannot be present in the moment if you are thinking about what other people are thinking. Because that's not presence. That's not absorbing your environment. That's not listening to people. That's not taking a gander, looking around. That's not inhaling these new scents. That's not that. You are in your mind. You're not even able to experience the day, the moment, because you are focusing on what someone else thinks and how to change their perception. So let that go. Now on to my... Song of the week, I am going to bring up an oldie but goodie in my life, and that is Azalea Banks' Licorice. This is a song that has always, always made me happy. When I was in college, I was biking like hell, and I would just bike to this beat and just be like, I cannot wait to live in New York. I cannot wait to be myself. I cannot wait to do these things. I cannot wait to be creative and expressive and all these things. And I listened to to it the other day, and it just 
was a great reminder that all of the things that I had set out to do, all of the visions, the dreams I had of myself, I am accomplishing them. I have either accomplished them or I am accomplishing them. And as problematic as she is, she makes good music or she makes music that I actually very much enjoy. So let's get into this main topic. How we think that usefulness is a good strategy for building relationships when it's actually kind of a detrimental model that we need to steer away from. I am one of those people who just love people. I love people. I love happy people. I love light people. I love joyful people. I love people. And because of that, I love relationships. I think that they are amazing. And when I talk about relationships, I mean every type of relationship. Friendships, family, coworkers, associates, strangers who you met for one night and you followed them on IG or TikTok and you never had the chance to reconnect again after that one fun night. Those, even those moments are wonderful to me. And like me, like all of us, Relationships are what keep us alive. So much so that if we are isolated from people, our health declines and we can't fully develop. So it makes sense that we would do anything to preserve them. It makes sense why relationships are so important to us and we would do things like sacrifice ourselves to keep them in our life because not only are we biologically wired to do so, but it feels good. It feels very good to relate to people heart to heart and know that someone understands you. It brings us joy and new thoughts and experiences and love. And we all want that. Every single one of us want that. So when we are learning how to relate, how to build these relationships in childhood, when we are learning the importance of people, We pick up strategies from those who are around us, from those who are the closest to us. And we form our thoughts and our practices based on what we observe and what we experience. So when we see our parents do things like turn away from us, harm us, isolate us, ignore us because we are quote unquote bad, Our little brains, our little childhood brains, we draw solutions to feel that warmth, that joy, that happiness and love our parents are withholding from us. We find any way to get that back because it feels so good. And we think if we regain their favor by behaving better and being quiet becoming smaller and doing extra chores or having good grades or helping our siblings, etc., that we will eventually gain their favor. And it often proves true. So when our parents operate in that paradigm of if you are bad, I will punish and isolate you. And if you are good, I will adore you. Our little brains internalize that. We internalize it. We operate under that framework. We plan and we strategize from that framework instead of operating from a better framework, which is the positive parenting framework, which states behavior 
that may feel undesirable to the parent. It's only children expressing an unmet need. So when parents are under the original framework or the former framework of I will punish you when you're bad, I will isolate you, ignore you when you're bad, then I will love you and embrace you and find joy in our relationship when you're good. They're signaling to children one message, and that is love is earned. Love is earned. You earn happiness and joy and favor by doing good things. So you continue to do good things. Parents aren't demonstrating unconditional love under that framework. They are doing, they are showing that love can be bargained, that you can bargain for love, that you can do certain things to retrieve, to accept, achieve love. They aren't showing that parents love them for them. They are showing that you earn love. You earn favor instead of receiving it because you purely exist. So these children, these beautiful, baby, innocent children grow up with the framework that they must do things to be loved. And as adults with smaller communities of people who, quote unquote, love them, they work very hard to gain their favor and love from them. They work very hard to gain the love of friends and families and coworkers and strangers. However, when parents operate under the positive parenting framework of unmet needs, you are operating under a few assumptions that force you to not take anything personally and helps your children articulate their needs. The first assumption of this positive parenting framework is kids must be taught how to process their emotions and articulate their needs. And unfortunately, kids don't come with an, uh, they're they're not prepackaged. They're not prepackaged with a, a little function that gives them the tools to articulate their emotions. They don't have that program installed in them. And like tying shoes and like learning their ABCs and writing, they must be taught what each emotion is and taught how to use words to get their needs met. So children use tools that they learn as babies when they're not taught, they cry. They throw tantrums, they get angry, they throw things, they flail on the ground because this worked when they were a baby. Anytime they cried, someone came and did something to make them feel better. They changed their diaper. They cuddled them. They burped them. So they are operating under that assumption that if you scream, if you flail, you get angry, you throw things, you'll get your needs met. You will get your needs met. So it makes sense that these baby children unconsciously thinks this works 
and quote-unquote misbehave. It makes sense that that's how they behave because they have not been taught how to communicate. They not they have not been taught how to identify their emotions. And this is what they know and this is what they're doing. But when you work under the positive parenting framework, you give them the skills. You don't beat them. You don't shame them. You don't isolate them. You give them these little humans the skills to understand their emotions, their reactions. They, these reactions become learning opportunities. These feelings signals to, signal to their little human brains that they're feeling something. And when you practice this framework and you practice this framework of positive parenting, it sends a different message. It shows them that it is okay to make mistakes because your parents still love you. It signals unconditional love because nothing is being withheld, only expanded upon. They're not beating you. They're not isolating you. They are not shunning you. They're not being passive aggressive. They are allowing you, your little kid brain and body, to express themselves and giving you the tools to articulate yourselves. And when they see you stand by them and when they see you patient around them, when they are going through these motions, it signals safety. They know that you'll be there. They know that their parents will help them. They know that their parents will love them and be there for them no matter what. They know that if they came across a problem that they had no skills in, that their parents would take the time out to walk them through that problem and teach them those skills. Those messages of that old framework that a lot of parents operate under versus a positive parenting framework, they both have a profound impact on children who eventually become adults. The child who gets the cold shoulder every time they do something displeasing to the parent becomes a people pleaser. They use usefulness as a tool They try to make themselves useful so that they are not abandoned because they have been shown that anytime they make anything that makes someone uncomfortable or angry or make or pesters them that they will leave. So they use usefulness because they don't want them to leave. They don't want the people who they love to leave. So if you need me, you're not going to leave me. That adult who falls under that older framework, that old, that doesn't work framework, that adult bargains themselves for love, like, and consideration because they fundamentally believe and have evidence of it working. They fear discomfort confusion because they fear that this emotion from that person, whoever the person is that they're relating to, means that they will be abandoned. And they have evidence to prove it. Whereas the child who was loved unconditionally, 
and their parents work through their emotions, they are taught something drastically different. They are okay with the messy parts of themselves. They know that they can be loved by being themselves because they have the evidence of their parents' love to prove it. They don't fear abandonment because their parents never abandoned them emotionally, physically. They never abandoned them. They never abandoned them when it got messy. They never abandoned them when their emotions were all over the place. They never abandoned them when they were misbehaving. They were always there for them. So it makes sense that some people operate from a framework of trying to be useful to build a relationship. Because look at the groundwork and the framework that their parents laid down. Whereas a parent who is operating from the positive parenting framework, they are laying down a different foundation, a foundation that says you as you are, are accepted. That people are going to accept every part of you, even the ones that you don't like yourself. They're going to accept that. These two frameworks, they are very different. These two frameworks, they build adults and these adults live very differently. But hope is not lost for the child or the adult who is trained under bargaining like love and care. You aren't a bad person because you learned a certain set of rules and thought they were true. So when you're listening to this podcast, please remember to remove the shame or the guilt around the people pleasing, around the bargaining, around around being useful, around using usefulness as a tool to keep a relationship together, strong, tight. Don't feel ashamed about that. Because this is your training and you mastered it. You know, as a student, you get an A for mastering this. But in life, this process does inevitably harm you. And you must recognize that. You must recognize that your parents, as well-intentioned as they were, as much as they tried, as much as they sacrificed, were ill-equipped to parent children. And yes, they meant well. And yes, they love you. But this framework did not demonstrate love. It didn't show you love. They didn't give you the skills. They didn't equip you. They didn't nurture you to show you that you are loved unconditionally. And so you must begin to give that to yourself. And truthfully, I'll be honest, it will be a hard task to do because deep down in your bones, you want to do, say, and be something to be liked and loved. This is your autopilot. You've been doing it for so long. You know how to, you know, all the signals to change your behavior so that you can be what someone else's need, what someone else needs. You already know that. You've been doing it for years. It's easy to try and predict other people. But it's so much work. 
it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to live your life and be so aware of other people at the same time and change who you naturally are to get their favor. It's a lot of work. It's tiring. It may be the reason why you're always tired. You're thinking for two. It also stripes you from the uniqueness that is you. Instead of being yourself, you become what someone else needs you to be. But what about you? What about you? Don't you deserve to have the sunshine on you? Or are you the true essence of you? Is that that essence of you relegated to the background only? And only given space from the comfort of your own home? That's the only time that you get to be yourself? But this is your life? The only time you get to be your true self is at home by yourself. But when you are around other people, you are doing free work, being useful, using that so that no one abandons you, leaves you, isolates you, ignores you, treats you wrong. Is that fair to you? Now, this process, this unlearning Like I said, it is going to be a hard task and there is no one answer on how to get there, but there are always tips that I can provide to help you along that journey. The first one being take this, this reframing, reparenting yourself so that you can see yourself as valuable just because you exist. Take that one day at a time because it took you years to develop this other programming, this one that tells you that somebody mad at you, they ain't gonna love you no more. That programming, it took you years to, to create that. So it's gonna take you some time to overwrite this. It's gonna take a little bit of time. And don't get frustrated when you slip into an old habit of people pleasing or being useful or fearing that you're gonna be loved if you don't make someone happy. It's what you do on autopilot. And it may take you some time to stop that. And that's okay. The good thing is that you will get there. That's the silver lining. With hard work, you no matter as long as you don't stop, you're gonna get there. The second thing is use people in your life who you are truly yourself around as evidence that you in all your glory can be accepted in love without change. So what I mean by that is you can use your best friend as an example. She loves you. He loves you. They love you. They love you for you. You ain't got to do shit to do that, to get that. They just love being around you because you be, you are you. And they don't ask you to change. Y'all may have a little argument here and there, but... It's miscommunication. They they still love you no matter what. And if you ain't got no person close to you, use your dog. Use your dog. The point is to continue to give yourself some sort of evidence that there is nothing wrong with you as you. You don't have to change that. You can communicate better, but you don't have to change your essence, who you are. Number three, 
just because you recognize passive aggressive behavior or shift in the mood or shift in energy, it does not mean you have to act on it. It just doesn't mean that. Nobody asked you, number one, why are you taking on this responsibility? Number two, in passive aggressive behavior is not an articulation of that person's feelings. Number three, it is manipulation. It is coercive or an emotionally inept person trying to get you to do what they want you to do. Now, you can acknowledge it. You can tell yourself that shit is making me mad and comfortable. I don't want to be around that. You can note it, but you ain't got to act on it. You don't have to act on this. You don't have to be useful. You don't have to dim your light. You don't have to be smaller. You don't have to people please. You don't have to act because they didn't ask you to. And even if they asked you to, you still don't have to do it. Because life is about you. And if you don't feel like appeasing someone else's needs, you don't have to. So stop doing that work. Number four, ID. Identify your priorities. ID them. Your life is meant to be, your, your life is meant to be yours. It is not meant for you to be a support system to everyone but yourself. So what is your priority? Are your feelings your priority? Are you a priority? Are you doing anything to preserve preserve those priorities or those things? Are you doing things that show you you are a priority? And that's a real good question. Are you doing things that show you that you are a priority? Because if you are always putting your needs last, just to be useful to other people, that is not showing you that you are a priority. And if you're not showing you yourself that you are a priority, what are some small steps you could do to take that? Could you tell the person who's always asking you to do stuff, hey, I can, you know, instead of doing it this many times, I can only do it once. That's a small step. Then you could then eventually over time you could say, I don't want to do whatever. Could you do that? Could you limit? Could you say no? These are all small steps that you can take to show that you are a priority. Number five, celebrate your progress. Every time you decide to be yourself, every time you decide to be vulnerable, every time you don't stretch yourself thin for others, that's a step. Every time you ignore passive aggressive behavior, that's a step. Every time you be your full self, every time you step into a building, that is a celebration. That is a step. Every time you are okay that someone else saw a side of you, someone else saw a side of you that wasn't pleasant, that's a step. So celebrate it everywhere and know that you are continuously improving. Know that you're continuously proven. Six, 
When you people please or build relationships off of usefulness, you, you're not really building a relationship. You are not building a relationship. You are destroying them. Because when you operate off that framework, you increase your resentment and you reinforce to the other person that they have power over you. They have power over your actions. And that power dynamic where you are biting your tongue, where you are secretly brooding and the other person is living peaceful, happy, joy, light, because you are giving them services that make that life like that, it leads to an unhealthy power dynamic. It is an unhealthy power dynamic. So take these steps along with therapy, self-help books, journaling, asking yourself what you need, what you want, what you really, really want. And on that note, you all take care. Bye. For show notes, be sure to check out charliestoolbox.com. Follow Charlie on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Charlie's Toolbox. Thanks again for listening to Charlie's Toolbox.